When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tackling Life Podcast with the great Ray Lewis and me, Dr. Christian Conti. It's a success podcast that tackles life through the lessons of sports. I'm so, so, so excited because today, we, our guest today, um, for, for our listeners, for, for what's close to my heart, what my passion is, is when I'm not doing some of the other things that our listeners see me doing, um, I'm in the prisons. I work in the prisons. I'm very passionate about helping change uh, the whole prison system. Look, nearly seven out of 10 people who leave prison come back. And today we're beyond honored because our guest is the Secretary of Corrections for the state of Pennsylvania. And for those of you who don't know what that means, what that means is he runs, Secretary John Wetzel runs the entire prison system for the state of Pennsylvania. And here's how I want to introduce him. I want to start off by introducing him by the way he uh, introduces himself on his Twitter account. So even though he's the Secretary of Corrections for the state of Pennsylvania, here's what his Twitter account says about him. Out-of-work offensive line coach, also Secretary of Corrections of Pennsylvania. <laughs> so welcome, <laughs> Secretary John Wessel. Uh, it's great to be here, man. And, and uh, football will always be first to me, even though it doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Secretary, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't friends with too many offensive linemen. Well, you know, that's all the smart guys in the locker room, right? So I don't know who you're hanging with, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you Listen, what, I want Go ahead. Go ahead. Offensive linemen are getting some, well, we're getting some really good Christmas gifts from some of the quarterbacks this year. <laughs> Did you As see As they that? should. As they should. <laughs> Listen, I wanted to say, Secretary, I wanted to say it's good to see you again. Thank you for coming on. Um, it's always a privilege to just talk to you, man. I can't wait for the viewers and everybody to really hear what this podcast is going to be about and just have fun doing it. Um, but thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on. Yeah, it's great to be here, man. Uh, you know, this is such an important issue, I think, for our country. Um, you know, our, our approach to criminal justice. And, and Ray and, and Dr. Conti and I have worked together for two or three, three or four years, actually, um, about, you know, just trying to get better outcomes for the people who are incarcerated coming out. You know, <clears throat> what people don't realize is that 90 percent of everyone is in a prison today, which is 2.1 million people in America. 2.1 million people in America right now are incarcerated. 90 percent of them are getting out. And so it's so critical for all of us to really just focus on on how we can have individuals come back to the community and be successful. And uh, so Dr. Conti and I have been working on that with a bunch of uh, pretty cool initiatives up here in Pennsylvania. And, and uh, Ray, you and I got together really talking about an issue that's that's really close, I think, to both of our hearts. And that's that's the children of incarcerated parents. Yeah. And, yeah. And one of the things that gets lost oftentimes in this discussion of our approach to criminal justice um, and, and, you know, the cool part about where we're at in history, quite frankly, is that 
Um, this year, the Pew Foundation just put out a report either yesterday or today. We have a 10-year low in uh, prison population. So population of people incarcerated is at a 10-year low. And the coolest part of that is that the states that have had the biggest reduction in their prison population have also experienced the biggest reduction in crime. Now, what that should tell us is that, one, that we've had a flawed approach to crime over the past 30 years, right? We've over-incarcerated. And again, that's not to say that we shouldn't incarcerate people who are out there screwing up our community. But we really just got to be smarter and use it with precision. But what it tells us is that we can reduce that population and still have better outcomes. But the folks who are lost in here are the children of incarcerated parents. And let me throw a couple numbers at your listeners, just so Please. you have some context, because sometimes it's easy for us to say, this doesn't affect me. And, and I'll tell you, you're dead wrong. Right. It does affect you on a right. couple of one. So one in seven kids living in poverty in America have a parent incarcerated. Mm. One in nine black kids have a parent incarcerated. One in 28 Hispanic kids and one in 58 white kids have mm. a parent incarcerated. So that it, it equates to about ballpark 7% of all the kids in America have a parent incarcerated. So first of all, if you don't think that, that this impacts you, you probably know a child who has a parent incarcerated right. or an adult who grew up with a parent incarcerated. Right. But beyond right. that, and one of the things, I, I work for a guy, Governor Wolf, who's just a really good guy. And one of the things that he says that, that really resonates with me is he tells people in the business community in in the middle of, of Pennsylvania, in the most rural areas, he says, you are all invested in a kid in Philadelphia, in a poor neighborhood, in a poor school being educated because that kid being educated makes us all better. Right. And I would say the same thing about these kids. And, um, it, you know, it's just such a, an important issue for me. And so, Ray, when, when we got together and talked, you know, we talked about just exploring a way that we could use your voice and your platform to get in the community and help these kids just stay on track. And I'm not talking about helping kids stay out of prison because you know right, what, right. That, that bar is too low. I'm right. talking about giving kids the opportunity to be the best they could be. Yeah. And the reality is we have, we have a generation who doesn't have that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, secretary, it's so crucial that I think people really understand where you're going with this because when we got together the first thing we started talking about was how do we help these kids right if it takes a village to raise one child then how how do we really help help people to understand that if you empower the child if you empower the child then your community is better your future is better all of these things work out being better and and I just don't know with all of the distractions now that our kids have, you know, I think we have to come up with these answers to, because all of these numbers that you just, oh my gosh, one in seven, one in 58, I mean, these numbers, they're so alarming because now you have to ask yourself the question, right? If these kids know somebody or a friend, parents who's in jail or somebody who's going in and out of jail, then what do you think the kid is gonna follow? It's simple math. It's simple math, right? And, and and I think when you when you think about what's what what is it to do, I think it is to bring this issue up and, and really, really, really stress it, Doc. Mm. I think 
It is. You just said something right before we got on, Doc, and I think you should really go back to that about some of the key things that we can possibly start doing now with the prisons, you know? It is. It is, because what you just said, Ray, is is, is so key. Secretary Wetzel is literally, he looked at it and said, look, this is something you said, Secretary. Um, I watched it in one of your TED Talks where you said, look, in the medical profession, they will do tests. And they'll find out something doesn't work, and they'll throw it out. And they'll say, this doesn't work, let's not do it. But in the, the historically, in the corrections, if they find out something doesn't work, they say, well, let's just do it because we've always done it that way. And, and mm -hmm. you have been the leader in saying, look, we're done with that. And to me, what, what, the reason why Secretary Wetzel and I have vibed so early, so quickly, was that we're on that same page of like, look, listen, I was in the prison the other day when I was talking to a corrections officer, and he said, why should I? Why should I care? Like you know, who who cares about these? You know, and he has a certain mind for, set for what he see, how he sees inmates. And I said, look, if somebody's getting out of prison and they're going to move in next door to you, would you rather them have the same level of skill set that when they went into prison, or would you rather have them a different skill set? And he said, honestly, I never thought about it like that. And I said, that, that's exactly what this is about: is having America wake up to seeing what are we really? What's our goal? What's our vision for what we're really doing with prisons? So let me pick up on, on what you said. I mean, listen, we everyone in the country is invested in corrections ability to create an environment where people can be corrected. Right. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many people impacted. And in Pennsylvania, we have 67 counties. There's not one county that doesn't have people coming out of state prison and going back there. So mm -hmm. if, if you're thinking that it doesn't matter how we treat people while they're incarcerated, what environment we put them in or what programs we offer, you're really fooling yourself and, and you're, you're really selling yourself a dream because that's just crazy. But to pick up on, on something Ray said about these kids, you know, there's a guy named Saul Green who said, who explains the phenomenon you talked about as a generation of kids who have an inevitability of incarceration, that they believe that part of their normal trajectory in life is to go through a jail. It, 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 every one of us should be shocked and bothered to our core. And the question is, how do we get here? We got here a couple ways. One, we, we, we changed laws. We, we responded to the crack epidemic in a way that didn't measure outcomes, in a way that was knee jerk, and we locked too many people up. A byproduct of that is that a lot of people, that people who are disproportionately impacted by that are poor people and people of color. Absolutely. So they were disproportionately impacted by that. And if you look at what the research says, it says that drug use is the same among whites and blacks, but blacks are more likely to be incarcerated. And that's because of an increased um, likelihood of having a contact with, with a police officer because there's more police in those communities. Now, the corollary yeah. to that, and we always want simple solutions, the corollary to that is that Part of the problem is that we have more people, more black people in those communities committing crimes. So we got to stop that stuff, too. OK, yes. So it's not yeah. an either or thing. Right. Right. But right. there's some for me. And, 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 you know, I spend my life working on these problems. I spend my life on trying to um, both change laws to, to use the system with more precision, to change the environment inside prison so people can come out well. But to me, while we're working on all this stuff and, and the national numbers suggest we're making progress. While we're working on this stuff, we have kids who have an opportunity to be doctors and lawyers and football players and psychologists and whatever they want to be who aren't going to have that opportunity because they live in communities with poor education systems, with a lack of, of um, economic opportunity, and with uh, just a, a lack of role models, especially male role models. So when, yeah. when 
I mean, you look at look back on all our lives and look at who, uh, why you got to where you got to. I guarantee you, you can point to someone who you identified as a role model who helped you get there. And if your role model is out on the corner slinging, that's what you're gonna do. And part of that is that role model cared about you when they didn't have to. Yes. And so, so I'm a simple dude, man. And I just, I just think it's just as simple as, man, can't we all as a community just care about these kids? These kids need us to care about. These kids need us to give guidance. These kids need to, to, us to tell them when they're doing something that's stupid, that's not gonna work for them. And, and uh, the children of incarcerated parents are a group that, I, that in my purview, in my work, um, that to me is the group that's screaming out the loudest for help. And, and yeah. it doesn't take, I mean, there's programs like Big Brothers, Big Sisters, uh, um, Boys and Girls Club. There's programs that provide mentoring for kids that are very successful. Mm-hmm. But all it takes is five or 10, to spend five, 10 minutes with a kid who just needs some guidance or help and tell them you, you can do, you can be whoever you want. Go ahead, go ahead, Ray. Go ahead, Doc. Go ahead, Doc. Go ahead. Well, okay, go ahead. so so what the reason why I'm just so like amped about this is is this. Uh, Secretary Wetzel used the phrase that I'm trying to like I, I've made a career out of trying to amplify, which is life is not about either or. It's a both and. You know, I taught in a marriage family uh, marriage and family therapy program for years. I trained counselors, psychologists, and it's about shifting that mentality that life is about either or and it's both and. So I'm working with an inmate yesterday and I said to him, look. At some point, you as a man, as a father, have to say, my daughter is more important to me than going out there and slinging. So, yes, the system's messed up. Yes, we got to work on the system. But for you alone, you got to work on and say, look, when I get out, I have to put my daughter first. I have to say being a man and being a role model is more important to me than having new rims or having the types of things that you said you were, were important to you in the past. And again, this is new information for this person because a lot of people are indoctrinated with this idea that we have to have things rather than being what Secretary Wetzel just identified as a role model. So this is this is important stuff because we keep listen. <clears throat> we all saying this. And I think people keep missing it. We keep saying they will do it. They will take care of it. There is no they. Mm. There, there, there is, there is you. There is, there is Secretary Wetzel. There, there, there are people that we have to do this. And, 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 and when you, and when you watch these kids, right? Secretary Wetzel just said something so key. You, you, we, we see kids doing things wrong, and we won't say nothing mm. because it's not our child. But that's the, but, but our duty, our duty as adults, as people who've experienced things way ahead of what these kids have experienced. Our duty is to chastise these children, to let them know, no no way you can get away with that. That's one thing about me. I'm not going to sit there and listen to the same music with my kids, right? Mm. When I come in the house at night, at 10 p.m. at night, everybody's phones must be on my table unless, unless somebody else paying your phone bills. <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no discussion in these things. But we've, we've now started to listen to the same music and bounce with them and do all of these things. Let me tell you something, man. We got to, as a country, we have to take a hard look at ourselves and ask ourselves, what does the next five years look like 
if we keep letting kids and keep watching the prison system increase at such a high rate and now the kids are getting to where it's becoming normal secretary wessel just said it it's becoming normal for a kid to say look my uncle in jail my daddy in jail my brother went to jail so guess what most likely i'm going to jail too and and that's the mentalities and we're leaving these kids these babies gang life in baltimore started nine years old it starts at freaking nine yeah. years old yeah right and, and, and so when you start to watch these things, this young kid, the freaking other day, he's 13 years old. He runs up to somebody with a freaking fake gun and pretends to rob them. Like these are the things, these are the things that we're letting kids that we were once protected from. Remember, we were once, it, it, it was once at a time, man, where our, our family and our, and, our, and our mothers and fathers, they kept us away from all of the distractions. Why? Because your brain, you can't deal with that much when you're that young. So man, everything we're saying, I think the new wave is forget, oh, oh, look how bad that tragedy is. No, figure out how to help to make that right. And don't look for somebody else to do it. I promise you this is going to be one of the fastest shows you ever listen to. This uh, this time is going to fly by. Um, and when we come back right after this break, we're going to talk about exactly what you can do so that you can be involved, as Secretary Wetzel's talked about, as Ray's talked about, how you can actually get involved. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. The Tackling Life Podcast is now taking your calls. If you have a question or comment for us, just call 646 762 4432 and leave us a message. We might play it on the show. That's 646-762-4432. Or download the Voigo app for iOS or Android. That's V-O-I-G-O. And you can leave a direct message for us through your mobile device. Look, we're looking forward to hearing from you. All right, we're back. We are talking with Secretary John Wetzel. He is the head of the prison system of the uh, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Um, we Before the break, we talked about what can you do. And Secretary Wetzel has been very vocal about what you can do. And it's not something that is rocket science. So, Secretary Wetzel, give some people, give our listeners a little bit of what they can do, a hands-on thing um, to start making a difference. Yeah, I mean, I think I think one of the things that that you have to understand is that um, that we have a generation that lacks hope, and and any one of us can be a hope broker. And I'll give you an illustration. I, I go through this prison every year. I see I Pine Grove. It's where we have our young adult, uh, our young adults who come into prison. They come from age thirteen, as Ray just talked about a thirteen-year-old. We have thirteen-year-olds in Pennsylvania who've committed violent crimes who are in a state prison today. And I walk through and I tour that prison every year. And and I gotta tell you, the tour devastates me. It takes me a week wow. after that damn tour to get over it. Cause you see these baby faces, not even shaven yet. And uh, a lot of them brown baby faces. And, and yeah. you know, I, I have the same conversation every year. I go, explain to me how you as a 14, 15, 16 year old are in a state prison doing the next 20 years of hard time. And they say the same thing every year. They go, Secretary, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be dead by age 25, so what does it matter? And to me, you know what, that's, that's indicative of a lack of hope. And, and I'll tell you two things. Number one, man, everyone in this country should have hope. It doesn't matter how bad the situation is. You should have hope that you can succeed no matter what. And we have a generation who doesn't. So we can sit around and we can point our fingers and act like they don't impact us. Or we can get involved in our lives. And the second thing, and Ray, something you talked about earlier really resonated with me, 
is that, damn it, when I was growing up, people loved me enough to, to rattle my cage. I was a knucklehead. But you know what? I'm still a knucklehead half the time. That's why I'm glad I got good staff around me, right? Who goes, secretary, you're full of it. Relax. Stop doing that. You can't do that. We got to love our kids enough to tell them no, to tell them they're not right, to tell them, pull your pants up. Listen, if you're going to an interview, dress appropriately, shake their hand, look them in the eye. This is the world we live in. This is just common courtesy. We have to love these kids enough to tell them that they matter and that they don't have all the answers. And those two are mutually exclusive. And I'm telling you, these kids, when your parent is locked up, you go through this phenomenon just like uh, your parents have been divorced or like a parent has died. It's devastating you psychologically. And then on top of that, you have guidance pulled out of your home. And if there's no one to fill that void, negative influences are going to fill that void. Be it rap music. And I, look, I'm, I still like rap music, but there's some rap music that's appropriate. That's some. There's some rap music that's going to lead you down a bad path. Be it the drug dealer on the corner, be it whatever, be it whatever social media where you're getting bullied. Uh, it doesn't matter. The fact is there is a void in a child's life when their parent gets incarcerated. And I I would suggest to your listeners that they have an opportunity to fill that void. So supporting, like I said, the groups like uh, Big Brothers and Big Sisters. And we have a group here in Pennsylvania called Amachi that is Big Brothers and Big Sisters for children, incarcerated parents specifically. Boys and Girls Club, or spend five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour a, a month, an hour a year, just getting involved in kids' life, just getting involved and telling them they have an opportunity. I mean, look, mm -hmm. we are invested in having our next generation be a generation who can take care of us. That's the history of America. The history of America is that we've had generations who made sacrifices, and then when they got older, we respected those sacrifices by making sacrifices ourselves. At some point, it feels to me like we got sidetracked from that. And what I'm saying is the implications of that are that we have a flawed criminal justice system that's making improvements. We have too many people locked up that's being reduced, but we have this generation that's sitting here right now today who needs our help and we're not just gonna sit around and act like it's okay. Beyond that, I think one of the things, and, and when you mentioned us versus them, Ray, you're 100% you're right on, and Doc Conti, did a TED talk himself. And if you haven't seen it, look it up on YouTube because he rocked it um, at <laughs> SCI Pittsburgh. Um, and, and what he talked about is there is no us. It's all the, there is no them. It's all us. Right. And, and if you know, right now the nation is faced with the biggest opioid epidemic uh, ever seen in Pennsylvania alone, 10 people a day are dying from opioid overdoses, primarily wow. here. And it's impacting every community, not just poor communities in the city, but rural communities, suburban communities. And so I think we're at a, a point in time where we understand that, look, it isn't it isn't them. It's all us. So that you can't just sit around your coffee table or sit at Starbucks drinking a, a you know, skinny frappa, whatever, and, and, and think that and complain about stuff and think that things are going to get better. You have the opportunity with a very little portion of your time of your resources, of whatever, to say, first of all, I'm not okay with criminal justice policies that lock too many people up and lock them up blind to the outcomes that don't include uh, addressing the issue that led to crime. If it's addiction, if it's a lack of education, whatever, the response needs to, to address that. But beyond that, I'm not okay with, with having kids 
uh, just in, in terrible communities with very little opportunity to be successful in life. And I need to be a part of that. That, that that is what it is for me. Like I, I'm it, to me, it's really frustrating. I know I'm an anger management specialist, and I think people think I'm not supposed to feel anger, but I do feel anger. I just know how to deal with it. But one of the things that frustrates the hell out of me is when people think this is an issue that doesn't impact them. It does impact you. The entire world is connected. We are all interconnected, and so to think that this is just something that's out there, it's someone else, and then what happens? A tragedy occurs, and all of a sudden, people say. Well, I never thought this could happen in our community. It's everywhere. That's why I've always had that tagline. There's two kinds of people in the world. There are people with issues and then there are dead people because we all have issues and it's time for us to step up and start supporting each other. Your your line that moved me the most, Secretary Wetzel, is that phrase of hope. Uh, the hope broker like people are breaking hope for people if we're going to have hope for people we need to stop complaining and we need to start doing something about it and it's, it's as you've talked about many times before it's five minutes to your time ray told me this one time and this this really hit me in a big way i don't know if you remember this but ray and i were on a set of coaching bad and we were talking one day and he said look these kids were coming up to me and they're talking about, you know, can I get this picture? Can I get that? And he said, listen, I'm going to spend time with you. And he literally just turned around and spent time with these kids. And I promise you, because I know people like this, these kids will remember this for the rest of their lives. So the time, the time you give is, is, is echoing through people's lives. Listen, to this, listen, to this. Ralph, Ralph Emerson said this years ago. Life consists in what a person is thinking of all day. I'm watching my kids the other day. I'm watching my nieces. And I'm telling you, I'm watching these phones, right? They can't put them down. They can't take a break from the iPads. They they can't get away from it. And, and one of my little nieces, she lost her phone. And she's sitting on the bottom of the steps and she's crying her eyes out. And I'm thinking something is really wrong. I'm like, what's wrong? Like we're here on Christmas, the whole family's together. What's like, what's so bad? And she looked up and she said, I lost my phone in the house. And the next five minutes, she has everybody in the house, every adult, every kid looking for this cell phone and, and going in places in my house that a lot of people haven't been. They stay on the first floor. So now everybody's upstairs looking in every room. And I looked upstairs and I screamed up there and I said, what are y'all doing? They said, we're trying to find our phone. I said, well, I wish we, I wish we had our kids looking for Jesus the way they looking for phones. <laughs> because, because that's what the problem is. The problem is, man, where hope is lost. Hope is lost when there's no imagination. When the imagination is dimmed, then all of the distractions that get into these kids' lives are so easily adapted to. Now they adapt to anything now. We're Listen, I'm telling you, man, everything that you guys are saying, we must put it back on the people. I told a friend this other day. She got robbed the other day in Chicago, and she was just tore up inside. She was like, I cannot believe this. My hard earned money. I, I, this. I said, everybody says that the moment it affects them directly. But there's a there's a home broken in. There's a car break. There's a car broken in every nine seconds. There's a robbery of somebody's home. 
somebody somebody's always going through something but unless it's you directly and that's what's wrong with the prison system secretary wessel it's exactly what you're saying that's what's wrong with uh with recidivism and all of these things is that everybody is sitting back waiting for somebody else to do it we have to change these kids thought process we have to give them a real future to think about. We have to give them real hope again so you see the light in their eyes that when you say something to them, it clicks to them. And guess what? 90% of that may be no most of the times. Well, I'll tell you, but you said something or, or, or Doc Conti said something about time, you know, and, and somebody told me one time and I look, I, I struggle. I'm a workaholic. I work all the time and, and I'm a, a father of a, four daughters and um, and, and you know what? I don't I don't exactly practice what I preach when I say this. Right. I got to say that because you know, mm-hmm. I just got to be a real dude. And I got to say that. <laughs> but somebody once told me that, that kids spell love T.I.M.E. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and how we spend our time counts. And, and so I would say to, to your listeners, spend some T.I.M.E. with some kids who need it. Uh, we're at a crossroads in our country, man. I mean, clearly in November, the election, everybody flipping out, uh, the world's ending, all this stuff. But the reality is, like, America is not who's sitting in the damn White House. America is us. And and we got choices to make. And you know what? And I've worked in politics all my life. The past six years I've worked, I worked for a, a conservative Republican governor who I love. And I work for a, a super progressive Democratic governor who I love. And the reality is that every politician I've ever met cares about what their constituents say and cares mm-hmm. about what their constituents care about. Mm-hmm. So the corollary, the answer to everything is you got to care and you got to express and vocalize that care to people who have direct impact on policies through legislation. And I think criminal justice reform over the past five years has been the one area in America where Republicans and Democrats have agreed we've screwed up this system forever. And, and yep. let's be honest, both sides have taken turns screwing yep. up our criminal justice system. Yep. All right. Yep. Unapologetically, they've run mm-hmm. on get tough on crime, uh, ignored what the implications of that are. Uh, both from a financial standpoint, where we're spending billions and billions and billions of dollars on that when we know that if we spent that much money on education and human services, we'd ultimately have less people coming to the criminal justice system. And and so we've got to a point where we said we can't afford it financially. Uh, and oftentimes it's on the right that says I can't afford it financially. On the left, we're saying we can't afford it in our communities. Both sides are saying we can't afford the impact on, on families. So I'm, I'm saying that we have an opportunity to build a new criminal justice system, and we really need to envision that and get involved. But even if you don't care about people, even if everything we've said about people who are incarcerated, that there's no them, there's us, if you think all that is BS, I can't imagine you would think that America is going to be a better place when we have kids who think that their life should go through a damn prison. I can't imagine anyone who's listened to that would believe that because because that's the reality. And and we can't, we've got to get involved and we got to we got to care about these kids and get involved in their lives and tell them that they're worth something and have real education systems and have real economic opportunity in their communities. But you spend five minutes with a kid who who you don't need to spend time with. That sends them a message that you've invested in it. 
It does. And what you just like, really, like I'm out of my mind. Like well, what you just said is it like people think, how can you literally engage in, a, in an intellectual discussion and say, I'm OK with children thinking that their path is going to go through prison and that's okay with me because guess what even if you're the most selfish self-centered person on the planet how do you think those children are going to get to prison but by harming someone in the community through you so my yield theory is all about meeting people where they are and i want i really want what the three of us want which is people to look at this in a totally different light for very good uh, and genuine reasons. But let's say I'm talking, let's say our audience right now, someone out there is in the most self-centered spot you can possibly be in. Well, the Auditor General of the state of Pennsylvania said, in PA, we spend 10 to 14,000 a year per child on public education. Now listen to this, we spend $40,000 a year per inmate. So even if we're talking to the most self-centered listener out there who says, look, I only want to know if this impacts my wallet, then yeah, it does because you are either going to spend it on the front end or you're going to spend it on the back end. But the reality is we are going to spend it. So ultimately my goal, and I do this when I speak with you, I work with a lot of university athletes, college athletes, football programs. And I say, look, I don't want you to have character because you're being watched because there's so many cameras out there. But if that's what it takes to get you to wake up and have character, then I need you to wake up and have character about it because this look the, the where we are right now people you, you everything secretary Wetzel saying this is impacting everybody in our community I told you this time's gonna fly by we're gonna take one more quick break we'll be right back after this the tackling life podcast is taking your calls if you have questions or comments for us just call 646 762 4432 and leave us a message. We might play it on the show. That's 646-762-4432 or download the Voigo app for iOS or Android. That's V-O-I-G-O and you can leave a direct message for us through your mobile device. We definitely, definitely want to hear from you. We're back. We're speaking with Secretary Wetzel. He is the head of the prison system for the state of uh, Pennsylvania and the information we're talking about is not out there information this isn't stuff that is oh if you're vaguely interested in inmates then pay attention this is this is impacting all of us we just get through a holiday season where we're focused and we say look I got to have this time with my children and this was wonderful but the reality is that the numbers are staggering for how many children did not get to experience the holidays with both parents this is your community these are people that go to school with your children so it's time for us to wake up and see this differently this is for me one of the most important conversations that we can have i mean one of the th- one of the reasons i'm so happy to be on here man is because um, you know, you're on here with a, with a guy, uh, Ray Lewis, who could, who doesn't have to do any of this, right? I mean, I see him on the herd and all these shows on, on Fox News, all dress. He doesn't have to care about this issue at all. Um, but listen, but, but he gets it. He gets the big picture. He gets that we're all invested in, in people who otherwise wouldn't be successful being successful. And, and I, I, you know, look, I think one of the things why sometimes people want to shy away from issues like that is because, as you say, Doc, there's two types of people, right? Those with issues and those who are dead. And and sometimes we're embarrassed because we think we're not worthy. We're not good role models. I mean, look, 
We all struggle with this. None of us, I mean, I don't believe any of us grew up as saints, even uh, somebody who's in a position like I'm in. Um, I struggle every day. So part of me says, well, why, why, how can I be a role model when I'm struggling with, with things that people who are incarcerated struggle with too? But the reality is that's exactly what a role model is. Mm-hmm. A role model is not perfect. A role model is someone who says, yes, look, I, I got issues too. But this is how I deal with these issues. And it doesn't involve grabbing a gun and going robbing somebody, right? Yes. It involves, look, going to work. And, and hey, if I'm working for seven bucks an hour, I mean, I, it's, my first job was driving an ambulance at $5 an hour. When I started in corrections, I came up the old school way. I started as a correctional officer part-time while I was a college football player at Bloomsburg University. Shout out for my Huskies. Uh, <laughs> Charlie, Evans, Charlie Evans in the house. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I was a, a part-time correctional officer at $7 an hour. And I came up and I worked hard. And, and let me tell you the thing that I learned most coming up in this field. My conversations on the block were the same conversations I had in the break room or the same conversations I have in the damn capital of Pennsylvania and the capital of the United States because we're all people. Sometimes we make bad decisions. Sometimes those bad decisions lead to incarceration. Sometimes those bad decisions lead to incarceration forever. I'm okay with that. But we're Mm -hmm. all people. And And the reality is that if you're a person and you're alive, you have the capacity to change. And every one of us have the capacity to get involved in someone's life and be that agent of change or the impetus of change to change the trajectory. And if you're looking for a return on investment, who better than a child who has all this stuff stacked up against them to put their their lives on a different trajectory? And we get a return on investment when a kid who has a parent incarcerated and is in a poor community with a terrible school district with all kinds of uh, drugs and crime in the community when that person comes out and is successful from a financial standpoint, you take someone who some would say is a tax burden and you turn them into a taxpayer. But on the real, you not only create someone who, who is paying back into the community, but you create a role model and you create someone who has the opportunity to give back. And I think that's the opportunity we all have. And, and damn it, I don't know why, anybody, why everyone's not just lined up to try to find something in their community to get involved in the life of a kid who needs them. I don't understand why you wouldn't do that. Because we have so many people sitting back and they want to judge everything that you're doing, but they're not doing anything. Listen, so I met with both presidents, councils. I met with Obama's administration. I met with Trump's administration. And it was really interesting because then you hear all of this. Why is he meeting with this and why is he meeting with that? And Secretary Wesley, you just said it. Why am I meeting with the presidents? Because they're freaking people. That's the only way things are going to get done. If you go sit there and you meet with people. I have freaking four beautiful black young boys who I do not want the future to look like what we've now started to see. I don't want it to look like that. And so it's it's amazing that, that I, I live as a free man. The only the only person I put my trust in, the only person that gets my vote is God himself. And that's what we need to totally go back to. We've we've totally separated God from the equation of what music even means. Man, the things that our kids are starting to hear, the things that our kids are starting to see, the things that we're allowing as a country. We're paying people 
We're paying people to send our kids to hell. We're paying them. We're making these rappers. I love rap music. I love some of the most purest artists ever. Ice Cube is probably one of my Ice Cube, LL Cool J, all of these guys. But but you're talking about some of the stuff that we're starting to let our kids hear. So when you ask all the questions, Doc, about why I do the things I do, Secretary Wesson, because my mother installed in me that if it's nothing else, I do the rest of my life. Find a way to help somebody else. That's the one thing she installed in me. And so my so my entire life, I've always tried to find a different way to make my mother smile. And if it was by helping somebody else, then that's what my life will consist of. And that's why my my meetings in the White House and, and, and meeting with all of these presidents to sit there and say, we I'm not going to sit back. And let Democrat or Republican decide what my kid's future is going to be. I want to know what's going on. I need you to tell me. I need you to talk to me directly so I can then go give my kids the right information on if they have a future or if we need to get the heck out of here because there is no future. But the bottom line is, it's people. It's people. It's people. And that's what we got to start speaking up instead of being these cyber cowards on the freaking Internet and want to freaking post every freaking thing or, or talk about somebody and hide behind all these captions and everything. Step out front. Change a kid's life. If you don't do nothing else in life, I, I have a motto. Change one life a day. And guess what? On the way to changing that life a day, you might find you may find yourself changing your own life in the midst of that. Yeah. Well, I tell you, one of the things that's so important, Ray, that you said, and, and you talk about meeting with, with uh, your President-elect Trump, and um, listen, we, we've got to a place, and I remember growing up when there was an election, and people were passionate on both sides, and then when the election, everybody came together and said, you know what, that's our president, we're going to support him, and somehow we lost that, right? But what, what we have to understand, and what I think your example illustrates, is that you have a voice. And if you don't have your voice heard, shame on you. And the fact, look, if you don't want to have your voice heard by someone who you don't agree with, in spite of the fact that they have power, you do that math. How is that smart? How is that a wise <laughs> approach? It's not a wise approach. Look, I don't. Maybe I don't agree with with uh, whoever, whoever's in elected or not. Maybe I don't agree with Donald Trump on on his criminal justice policy. Um, but frankly, I think criminal justice policy is an area where we're all good, right? But maybe I don't agree with him. But if I have the opportunity to talk to him and talk about my philosophy, and if that's going to have an impact, why wouldn't you do that? Why? How have we gotten to a place in this country where we can't we can't disagree without being disagreeable? It's not complicated, <laughs> folks. We can sit at a table, we can argue about philosophy, and then we can go grab an adult beverage afterwards. It's cool. You know what I mean? That's where we have to get to. That's what America was built on. It was built on people from different perspectives, being around the table, arguing passionately, and then coming to a common ground where we could move forward. We got to come to a common ground. Fortunately, the politics around criminal justice give us the opportunity to have a common ground. But what we don't have is enough people engaged and caring about this issue to really maximize our outcomes in this area. 
you know what? My my wife is like a fiercely loyal person, and she 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 and Ray are close. And she said when she saw some of the backlash that you got Ray for going to meet with Trump, she was out of her mind. She said, "Listen, the, these people saying that they can't accept Trump as president, and then arguing. Look, it is what it is. There's no Secretary Wessel just said it. Once it happens, it happens. Now the question is, are you going to sit back and do nothing? Or are you going to are you going to actually take action? If you have an opportunity to take action." And you don't do that, like Secretary Wetzel just said, that's on you. That's not on the world. That's not on everybody else. That's on you. At some point, you have to come face to face with the person in the mirror and say, if I'm choosing not to act just because I disagree with somebody, then that's on me. That's not on anybody else. It's our responsibility to act. It's our responsibility to when we when we do like the things that the three of us do we have a passion for what we do we are working toward making the community better so it's our responsibility to act and these people let me, sit let back me, and blindly criticize yeah. it drives me nuts right let, let, let me help some young kid out who's inspired to go and make change the hell with what people want to come back and say oh I, why is he speaking to the president let me tell you something when you were storming in your mother's womb if somebody told you that the struggles that me and my mom went through, that I had an opportunity to go sit with both presidents' councils to, to try to make change in this world, my mother probably wouldn't believe that. <laughs> and it's the people, and it's sad because you hear the people talking about, I'm boycotting the White House. I'm bo boycotting the White House does what for your kid's future? Mm. It does nothing. But I'll tell you what it does do. It gives your kid a direct re reflection of because kids pay attention to everything their parents do or don't do. So the ones that's talking about, I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that, your child will be the one that says, guess what? I'm not going to do it either. And that will be the same child that goes the opposite direction of change. Change, real change, is being bold enough to not want to, I'm not looking to, to win a popularity contest. I'm not looking to tell you what whatever Trump believes in and all that. Man, I'm not getting into that. I told you I believe in God and God himself. I'm a free man. My heart is free. I don't look for I don't look for nobody's approval. But I will tell you this. I owe it. I owe it to my kids. I owe it to this country. And I owe it to a bunch of lost souls to fight for what's right for us. And that's the bottom line. And, that, and that's what I think this whole message is about. That's why Secretary Wessel said that's why he gave up his life to, to do this, to go into the prison systems and still affect change. That's why, Doc, that's why you go into prison systems where everybody else has threw away those people. They think that they forgot about those people. You're in the you're, you're, you're fighting a fight that a lot of people won't fight. So when you talk about Backlash for me. Let me tell you something. Don't don't ever worry about feeling sorry for me. I don't care who it is because I'm so good with myself and I'm so good with who I am as a man because of the purpose is so much bigger that I must continue this fight of bringing real change and making people start to really do something to help our future. It's let, let, me, let me just respond to that quick, Doc. So Margaret Thatcher does it, said this quote that I love. And she said, if you if you set out to just be light, you would be prepared to compromise on anything at any time and you would achieve nothing. And that's what wow. you're talking about. If if all you want to do is be light, if that's your goal, then you know what? 
if you if you if you don't stand for anything, you fall for anything, right? But but I think more importantly, and and maybe not more importantly, but I gotta tell you something. For me, you know what the definition of cowardice is? And there's not a worse thing you can call someone than a coward. The definition of cowardice is that knowing that there's an issue that's important to us, knowing that you can be part of the solution and not having the guts to do it. Yes. And that to me is cowardice. And, yeah. and, and, and if you call me a coward, you better be ready to fight, man. Cause we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna throw down. Even you, right? Even 52, you call me a coward, it's on, all right? I gotta tell you. But I think that's the definition of cowardice. If you know there's a problem, if you know you can be part of the solution, but you don't have the guts to be part of the solution, man, you're a coward. Listen, Dante Alighieri said the hottest place in hell is reserved for those who in times of great moral crises do nothing. So, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Listen, I uh, I stood in front of a couple of uh, corrections officers the other day and I said, look, I get I get that you that that this is a stressful job. I get that this is what it, th that is, but I want you to stop here and that this is one extreme or the other. I'm not saying, hey, let's give everybody everything that's in prison. I'm saying, why not educate people? Why not treat people with compassion? Why not teach people a better path? If we don't teach people a better path, we can't just magically expect them to get a better path. And that's what really what this is about. It's stop the extremism, stop the one extreme or the other, the either or thinking, and start thinking, look, this is us. We're all in this together, and it's time that we do something to make this place a, a more effective world and a better world. I told you this hour would fly by, and it has. Ray, I'm going to give each of you a chance to say something before we sign out of here. Secretary Wilson, go ahead, please. Bless well, first of all, I just appreciate the opportunity, man. I, I think, uh, again, I would just stress that we're it's such a cool time in our country, man, where we can really have an impact both on the criminal justice system, but more importantly to me, or as important to me, on, on uh, kids in communities who just need it, man. And I would just encourage your listeners to get involved uh, in their lives. And I and I appreciate both of you and the work you're doing. And, you know, look forward to finding further opportunities where we can just not talk to people who have the opportunity to impact the lives of kids, but where we can take a voice like Ray Lewis's voice and take it uh, from inside a prison uh, to inside a community and tell kids the lessons that the inmates in my system, uh, if they were writing a letter to themselves, at age 15, they would have great advice, man. And and, and so I just appreciate uh, the work both of you are doing and, and look forward to further opportunities to do that, man. And just tell everybody, Happy New Year, and let's make 2017 the best year ever for America. Mm. Yeah. You know, Secretary Wilson, I, I, I must say thank you, man. Um, like you said, it takes, a, it takes a bold person to stand for the things that you stand for. I mean, it takes a man, it takes a real man. Then it takes a man to, to also say some of the times, you know, you, you should, you should, you know, practice what you preach sometimes. Cause, cause maybe that's the lesson for us today is that instead of everybody just preaching something and just saying this and saying that, maybe you need to take a second out of your day and really see if you're practicing what you're preaching. You know, it's a, it's a couple of gang members came up to me the other day. And they knew what was on my heart. And one of them looked at me and he said, brother, I appreciate you 
for fighting for us. He said, all of these other superstars, he was like, where are they at? He was like, they won't say nothing. Like nobody's saying nothing. And I said, you know what? It's a lot of people doing things that you don't know about, man. Because our world doesn't shine on too much good that people do. We always want to shine on too, on the bad that people do. There are a bunch of good people out here. There's a bunch of people with voices that's doing a lot of things. But to really be heard is to go in places where people think you won't go. And I think today encouraged me to keep going into places where people say it's not popular. Why is he going there? Why is he doing this? Keep asking why. And one day you will know why I still remain the man that I am. And the reason why I'm connected to you guys and people like you guys <clears throat> is because if I walk through life with anybody, I want to walk through life with somebody who's going to fight the last fight. The yes. fight, the good fight. And that's what we're doing, man. And I'm encouraging you guys that the good book, it, it, it claims that don't ever grow weary of doing good. Don't ever grow weary of doing good. Right? Sooner or later, the meek shall inherit the earth. And it's starting to turn. But Secretary Wessel says it over and over. It's time for us to show up. It's time for people to show up. Stop complaining. Stop gossiping about everybody else's business. And find your own business. Do something. And if you're doing enough, then you ain't got time to worry about somebody else's business. Right? Put 100%. children in their place. Yeah, man. Let children be children, man. Let's take back what it used to be, right? Separate grown folk music from children music. Separate what children can look at and what grown folks can look at. Separate that. I will. I, I don't. I don't do nothing with my kids that I look at as anything. If a, if a show, whatever it is, but that's what the message was today. So, Secretary Wessel, you bless my. You 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 bless me today, man. And I hope you bless many other listeners to know that there's work need to be done in our, in our country. Yeah, I cannot uh, listen. I'm honored and humbled all the time to spend this journey with Ray today. For me, is so special because Secretary Wetzel. For those of you like to understand that there's a man who is in the position he's in, but to be as genuinely humble as authentic as he is, he's somebody that I honestly and truly respect. You know, I meet thousands of people all over. I pe I meet people in positions of such power. But to meet somebody who honestly, with his heart and soul, tries to make a difference every single day of his life, to me, I'm honored to be friends with him and I'm honored to be connected with him. Uh, so, Secretary, thank you so much uh, for being on our show. Um, for our listeners, I want to say this. This is not an issue that's out there. It's an issue that's in here. And I promise you, we're going to have Secretary Wetzel back on this show because I knew this time would fly by and we have a whole lot more to say. So there's still so much more. So we'll definitely have him on. Uh, we'll have him back. Thank you for downloading the Tackling Life podcast. For more Tackling Life content and information about our guests, please visit the TacklingLifePodcast.com. Um, subscribe to Tackling Life. You'll get two all new episodes automatically downloaded each week. Look, you can become a part of the Tackling Life community by following us on our Tackling Life Facebook and Twitter pages. We definitely want to hear from you, so please reach out. Uh, the number again is 646-762-4432. We'd also love for you to take a moment to give us a rating and a review on iTunes. Until next time, for Ray Lewis, I'm Dr. Christian Conti. 
our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.